This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. As we're about to dive into the message, I, uh, I don't know, I was just sitting there worshiping and thinking of hunger and how, if you've ever missed lunch, you know about three o'clock, those hunger pains that come on and you're, you can recognize that you missed something and you're saying, something's missing, I need to fill that in my life. And I think some of us uh, don't even realize that we're hungering after something. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. And there's something to that, there's something to that hunger that may be missing, maybe you've tried to fill it with pizza, or maybe you tried to fill it with other things, but, but this morning, I, I just pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, for the things of God. Before we ever dive into the message, the reason we worship, the reason we sing these songs, we introduced a new song today about who God is. And the reason we do that is because it gives us time to be filled it's not just time so that we can go, well, we sang some songs we're feeling good about today. No, we're filled with the things of God. Where other things maybe we need to be setting to the side, which we're gonna talk about in just a moment, that we need to probably remove from our life to make room to be filled with the things of God. Anybody desire that today? I know I do. Thank you, there's, there's a few that do, and I just pray that you would. So can we just go to the Lord in prayer for a moment and let's just desire the things of God that you would hunger and thirst for that. Lord, I think some of us maybe don't even realize what we're missing. There's just a hunger there and we're not even sure what it is. And others of us, God, maybe it's just been a while. Maybe we know what it's like to just bask in your presence, to truly stand before you and worship you and enjoy being with you. God, I pray that we would be blessed because we hungered and thirsted after you. And Lord, that we wouldn't walk away empty. That's why we come here, is to be filled. And I pray that we are filled today with an overflowing. God, so much so that it's that is pouring out of us. So much so that other people want what we have, that other people see a difference in us. Because why? Because we're filled with the things of you. May we be blessed today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We're concluding a series today entitled Run for Your Life. Maybe getting sick and tired of hearing about that, but that's okay, because that means you're gonna remember it. That's, that's a good thing, but we've, we've talked about a lot of different things. We can run for a lot of different reasons. I mean, sometimes we're running and we don't even know why we're running. We're just so used to running. So we've talked about the things that we're gonna run from, not in fear, but with purpose. We started by saying we're running from busyness in order to find rest. Next, we ran from comparison in order to find contentment. Last week, we ran from temptation in order to find freedom. And this week, we're running from our own selfish desires in order to find godly desires, the things that God 
plants in our heart that many times we kind of shove to the side because we have our own selfish desires. We find ourselves gravitating toward those. So that's where we're headed today. Um, what I like about today's message, I think it's a great follow-up from temptation because we're talking about desires. Temptation, once you give into that, before long it becomes a desire. So I think this is a good follow-up message to that. And it's only fitting that we talk about the difference between desire and temptation. A temptation can be a desire, but a desire is not always a temptation. Think about that. A desire can bring you closer to God. If you desire the things of God, it's gonna draw you closer to him. If you give in to temptation, a lot of times that's gonna pull you away from God. Temptation nor desire, neither one, are technically a sin. It is only when we indulge in or give in to that selfish desire or give in to that temptation that it becomes sin. Why does it matter? Why does it matter if I live for my own desires versus godly desires? Well, this week I did a funeral for a a guy I didn't really even know. I met him last Friday when I went out. I was able to pray the Lord's Prayer with him, the sinner's prayer, a few hours before he passed. And so Wednesday night, I was able to deliver a message to a few of his family members and friends. And one of the things I shared with them, I wanna share with you, because I believe it talks about and helps us understand why we should desire the things of God versus our own selfish desires. Do you realize these physical bodies that we live in, they're gonna cease to exist, but we never cease to exist. We will live eternally somewhere. Surely you know that by now. If you've been here very long at all, you should know we're gonna live eternally somewhere. But I want Paul to explain this to you a little bit. This is out of the New Living Translation and we're gonna start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses one through nine. 2 Corinthians 5, one through nine, now the New Living. And we're gonna talk about these earthly bodies versus our heavenly bodies. Listen to what it says. For we know that when this earthly tent will live, we live in is taken down. So this is clearly a metaphor for our bodies. When this earthly tent we live in is taken down, so when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. We grow weary in these present bodies. Anybody wanna have an opportunity to say amen to that? We grow weary in these earthly present bodies and we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing, we wanna put them on. For we will put on our heavenly bodies and we will not be spirits without bodies. Verse four, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Things pop and crack and ache, right? But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us, rather, we're excited about the fact that we wanna put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. What a cool thought. Yes, we ache and groan and all of that, but this dead body is gonna die and it's gonna go away and we're gonna be swallowed up by life with a heavenly body. How cool is that? Verse six, so we're always confident, even though we know as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. Then in verse eight, he says it again. He says, yes, we are fully confident. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be home with the Lord. Now, you've probably heard that translation in a different translation before where it says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. 
right? So what is our goal? Why do we exist in this earthly body that groans and you know, aches and all of that? Well, verse nine tells us, and I love what Paul says here, whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to do what? Please Christ. That is what we're here for. And unfortunately, sometimes our selfish desires get in the way of what really truly we're called to do, even in this earthly body, knowing that one day this is gonna go away and we're gonna have a heavenly body, we have something to look forward to. But until that time, our goal is to please Christ. You know what that means? What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Let me say that again. What you believe about eternity, if you truly believe that we're going on and that we're gonna live for eternity and we'll never stop living, then how you live today is gonna be determined by that thought. If you're just like, man, I'm here by accident. When I die, I'm just dirt, I'm gone. Then you're just gonna live for today. So what you believe about eternity makes a big difference in whether you're gonna live for the godly desires that we should be running toward or we're just gonna go, you know what, I'm living for today. I'm just gonna be me and I'm gonna go with it. We're not just making decisions that will affect us today. We should be making decisions that will affect our eternity. So that being said, Jesus said this in John 6, 30, 16, 33, excuse me. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there is going to be pain in your life. Welcome to the bridge where we give you an uplifting message every week. In this world, you're going to experience pain. All of us will. Now, he didn't stop there. Thankfully, he said, don't worry, I've overcome the world. So we, we don't have to totally worry about it, even though we know we're going to experience pain. But the reality is that a lot of us will experience pain. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of it is outside of our control. It's not something we can even say, well, if I do this, then this won't happen. No, how many have had a freak accident? and just somebody runs right into you and you experience pain, not your own fault, right? Or somebody betrays you and hurts you. Your company downsizes and has to let you go. Your kids come home with a cute little cat. In this world, you will experience pain. Now you got a cat. It's right, uh-oh, that's good. However, some pain is in our control. Some pain is by choice. We have a choice on the type of pain we're going to endure. You can choose your pain. Let me give you an example. You can choose to obey your parents today or you can face the consequences later. And all the parents said, right? You can choose your pain. You can choose the pain of studying for a test today or experience the pain of taking the class over again. You get to choose your pain. And that pain that comes with godly desires over the pain that comes with selfish desires. And you can say, well, what do you mean pain? I'm gonna hurt just by choosing to go God's way? No, but it means you will have to give up some personal desires. You'll have to give up some personal things. I believe there is scripture in Ephesians that will explain this a lot better than I can. So we're gonna go there, Ephesians chapter four, if you'll turn there with me. And I wanna talk about this today, about choosing the kind of pain that you want to live with. And Paul's gonna help us understand this. This is so good, as a matter of fact. 
I think if we could just apply this, I could read this scripture alone. We could say amen and we could walk out of here and just live our life for Christ. But we're not gonna do that. We're gonna stay right here and we're gonna study it. Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus and they keep wanting to go back to a former way of life. Sounds kind of familiar. We hear a sermon you know, we, it sounds good, we like the idea, but, but the, the follow through, when we start working on that, well, I just like what I like. And again, we start gravitating toward our old self, toward the things that we desire and indulging in our selfish desires. We know the right answer. We just can't get, seem to get beyond those selfish desires. That's why we talked about temptation last week. We said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Yeah, the flesh is weak. So let's start reading in Ephesians 4. I'm gonna read verses 17 through 24, and then we're gonna take a break, and then I'm gonna read verses 25 through 32. And man, Paul is just, get ready. He's gonna read your mail today. I'm just gonna tell you that. Here we go. He says, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So let's be clear here. This ignorance, it's not because they weren't taught. He said it's because of the hardening of their hearts. It's because they're choosing, again, their own pain. They're saying, I hear what you're saying. I've learned what's right, but I wanna keep going to what I want the refusal to do, to, to do what's right. So look at verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. So, so we're talking to the Gentiles here. They're Gentiles. Yet in verse 17, he says, don't walk as the Gentiles do. So, I mean, is he saying stop being you? No, he's saying stop being the old you. Stop giving in to the selfish you. Right, so here's what he says in verse 20. That, however, is not the way you learned. See, they were taught. He said, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is be, being corrupted by its deceitful what? Desires. I don't know about you, but when I read this for the, I don't know how many times I've read this before, 100th time, whatever it may be. Man, it just really poked out to me like, hello. You gotta put off that old self. And as long as I've been serving Christ, pastoring, it doesn't mean that I'm immune to wanting to go back to those old desires, those deceitful desires. So we're taught to put off the old self, but verse 23 says even more, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. See, we have a choice. We can keep giving into the temptation we talked about last week. We can continue in our selfish desires, but there's consequences. What are they? Well, you're darkened in your understanding, verse 18 said, separated from the life of God. Verse 19 said, having lost all sensitivity, giving, into, uh, uh, giving over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And it even says we wind up full of greed. 
So we have a choice to put off the old self or we can put on the new self, be made new in the attitude of our mind with godly desires such as righteousness and holiness. You can choose the pain of discipline today or the pain of regret. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. I heard a pastor say it like this. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And again, based on 2 Corinthians that I read to you earlier, we should be making choices that are eternal choices, not just for now, but for eternity. So Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus. These were not people that had not heard the gospel. As a matter of fact, many of them called themselves Christians, yet they're returning to their old way of life and giving in to those selfish desires. So now he's gonna be more specific. Let's look at 25 through 32. Look, at, look what he talks about here, about taking the old self versus the new self. Here's what it says. Each of you must put off falsehood and speaking, speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with your hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. That's old self. Get rid of all of those things. And then verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's new self. We're running from old self. We're running from those selfish desires in order to run to godly desires. So what does that look like? I told you he's gonna read our mail today and maybe, I'm gonna list five here. You can look at them on the back of the bulletin. Maybe one of these five, you're like, Chad, you're talking about truth, anger, stealing, my mouth, bitterness. None of those hit me. My question is, what is it for you? We all have an old self that we long to gravitate toward. So you can answer what that might be, but we're gonna just break these down real quick, these five that are mentioned from Paul. The selfish me has a problem with truth. Selfish me has a problem with truth. And things you maybe have heard before. You ever heard these things? The check is in the mail. You ever heard that? How about uh, your luggage isn't lost, it's just misplaced? How about this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you? That was never true. It always hurt me more. Ever get a phone call? I just need five minutes of your time. And 30 minutes later, you're like, okay, all right. Last one, it's not the money, it's the principle. No, it's the money. Paul gives the main reason why falsehood is bad. He says we're all members of one body. Now think about this. If we're all members of one body and if the brain is sending false signals to the hand and says, hey, that stove's not hot, you can touch it, then you're gonna get hurt. The body is gonna be hurt because something's lying. Lying always disrupts unity and it destroys trust. It tears the body of Christ down. And again, 
we talked about it before. Oh, Chad, it was just a little white lie. Really? Anything that's dishonest is not truthful. So therefore, it's something that shouldn't be said. Second thing we're looking at, selfish me has a problem with anger. That's why he tells us, be angry, to which all of us said, that's easy, no problem. That part I can do. It's that second part, be angry and do not sin. Those six words do tell us something here. You can be angry and it not be a sin. Realize that. There's such a thing as righteous anger, controlled anger. Yet the vast majority of the time, our anger is motivated by selfishness and directed toward other people. It's when that anger comes out. It's that short step from anger to bitterness, to spite, to rage, to whatever it is for you, hatred. So that's why Paul encourages us, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I think he's encouraging us. Maybe it's not like, well, the sun's going down. I better pray right now and just get rid of my anger. That's not real. You don't have to take that so literal. But what he's saying is don't take anger onto somebody else that had nothing to do with it. Don't take anger from one season to the next. Don't carry your anger from one relationship into the other. Maybe you carried anger from your childhood into your marriage and it's created problems there. Maybe you carried anger from work into your home. Again, maybe you carried anger from a past marriage into a current marriage. One of the worst things we can do relationally or spiritually is let the sun go down, not just on a day of anger, but on a season of life, and to carry that anger from one season into the next. And why do we have to deal with that anger? Because he says, if you don't, you're giving the devil a foothold. That is a selfish desire in order to say, I'm gonna hold on to this anger. I gotta hang on to this until I'm willing to let it go. I'm gonna be mad until they say they're sorry. No, that's selfish desires telling you that. You've gotta let go of that. Otherwise, you're giving the devil a foothold into your heart. You know that word foothold in the Greek is topos? It's where we get the word topography. It really truly means real estate, a place to live, a cave to hide in. And when we don't forgive, we're giving the devil a place to reside in our hearts. Another thing that Paul addressed, the selfish me has a problem with stealing. Now, I don't feel like all of us are going around taking each other's things. So we don't spend a lot of time on the theft part of this. I do like, however, the second part I love this, and I think this encourages all of us. Do something useful with your hands, your own hands, it says, that you may have something to share with those in need. See, some of us are just, we're really good at working, but it's just gaining for us. He even talked about the greed that we can have with our own selfish desires. Man, I'm gonna keep working because I'm getting a lot for me. But learn the value of working, not just for yourself, but for others, There's great reward in working and serving others. Hashtag, we need fifth quarter volunteers. (laughs) The old self, the selfish me has a problem with his mouth. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Unwholesome literally means corrupt, 
or worthless. It's like rotten fruit. And what does rotten fruit do? It spreads. So the moment you start that kind of talk, it just begins to spread. Selfish me can't get caught up in all the talk, the gossip. And that's the thing. It's not just, we're not just talking about foul language here. We're talking about criticism. We're talking gossip, slander, whatever it may be. It's very clear. He says, talk about this. What is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen. What if, what if that was our filter before we said things? If we would ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say going to build one another up? Is it gonna help somebody? What if that was our filter? Is it gonna benefit those who are listening? I bet we wouldn't say half the things we say. Paul goes on, selfish me has a problem with bitterness. Verse 31, he said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of, of malice. Man, he's writing. Do you understand he's writing to the church at Ephesus? I mean, these must have been some pretty rough characters. Do you know what malice means? Here's dictionary definition. Malice, a desire or intent to cause pain, injury, or distress to another. Wow. How could someone who professes to be a Christian desire to destroy or hurt another person? Well, it goes back to verse 27 when it says, get rid of all that, you know, that anger and don't let the sun go down on your anger because if you don't confront that, if you don't forgive, you're giving the devil a foothold and who knows where that's gonna go. And finally, last verse that we read leads us to the godly desires. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, in Christ, God forgave you. I don't think Paul could have said it any better. There's a selfish side of us that keeps longing and like I said, gravitating toward those things and we must run from that. Run for your life. Run for Christ. Thank you, Paul, that you're willing to call us out. Thank you, Paul, that you're willing to put this tough, uh, tough uh, conversation in there, if you will to say what really truly needs to be said to us. Thank you, God, that in Christ, we don't have to live that old way of life. God takes care of the sin in our life, and we, can, we have a part to play in this as well. We have to put off the old self, but the good news is God provided a new for us to put on, amen? Isn't that awesome? We don't have to live in that old, in the old anymore. We can put on the new. When my children were younger, Maybe your kids are different, but my kids, when they went outside to play when it was cold, they didn't worry about their coat. I mean, they wanted a coat on, but they didn't say, well, I got this new coat, so I won't roll in the dirt. No, if they wanted to roll in the dirt, they rolled in the dirt, right? That, dirt, that coat would get old, it would get ripped, it might even stink. So we would have to buy them a new one. But when we bought them a new coat, we didn't go and say, come here, Connor, and just put the new coat on over the old coat. That would be ridiculous. No, we pulled off the old and we put on the new. And God gave us the opportunity to do that. That's why Paul told us in verse 24, put on the new self, created, do you hear that? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What happens when we put on the new self? We're drawn to godly desires. We're drawn to the things that he wants us to do, not just to the things we want to do. 
Our selfish desires leave us feeling anxious, living in fear, making decisions for today. But those godly desires leave us longing for righteousness and holiness. Maybe you're sitting here today and like I said, maybe one of those five didn't hit you. Again, maybe there's a little self-evaluation that needs to happen to say, what is old self? What is old self looking for? What's, what's he keep going for? Why do I keep gravitating towards that one thing? Each week we've talked about running from something to someone else, something else. And if we're running from our selfish desires, how do we run toward godly desires? Well, I'm gonna let Paul answer that again, but we're gonna move to a different book. You're gonna see a different side of Paul. As good as he was at reading our mail, Paul had his own problems. So I want you to turn over to Romans with me. Romans chapter seven. Same guy who wrote to the church at Ephesus is gonna write here. Actually, Paul's struggle makes me feel a little bit more normal. Anybody in here feel like you got a little crazy in you? I think we all do, right? Paul's gonna help us feel a little bit more normal. Romans 7, 15, here's what he says. I don't understand what I do. For what I wanna do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can anybody relate to this? Is it just me? I don't understand why when I wanna do good, I just don't. I know what's right, but I can't seem to pull it off. What's he say in verse 22? Look at this. This is the part I like. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Hear that. In his inner being, he delights the godly desires. But I see another law at work in me. Selfish desire. <laughs> Waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Does this sound like the same guy who was just reading our mail over in Ephesians 4? He sounds like he's hopeless. He can't do it. He wants to do what right, what's right, but he does what's wrong. But then the tone's gonna change in verse 25. Thanks be to God. I could stop right there. <laughs> thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm crazy on the inside. I can't always get it right. I keep drawing back to those selfish desires. Thanks be to God. There's Jesus Christ, our Lord, who's there waiting for me to help me. And he's saying, I'm often feeling ashamed that I didn't get it right. I'm down on myself for not getting it right. I'm embarrassed that I don't get it right. But thanks be to God, the answer is not me being better. It's not me being stronger. The answer is Jesus Christ in me who makes me stronger, amen? He leads us away from those selfish desires. That's the key to this whole message that on our own, we are prone to give in to those selfish desires, but with the help and the power of Christ, he can enable us to choose not what we want now, but what we want most. We will choose discipline over regret. Run for your life, church. Run for your life. We've been saying it all four weeks. Not for your spouse's life. Not for your friend's life. You can run all over town for your children's lives. Run for your life. 
Stop living with no margin in your life. Exhausted, fragile, what we called redlining. Run from busyness and find rest. Remember Matthew eleven twenty eight. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Run from comparison to find contentment because when we start comparing, we lose contentment. Neither honors God when we start comparing because we're either gonna feel superior or inferior. And neither of those are a good thing. Accept God's plan for your life and stop trying to live for someone else's. Run for your life. Run from temptation to find freedom. The quality of your decisions are going to determine the quality of your life. Run with purpose in every step. I love what Paul told us when he told us to run our race. Run with purpose in every step and find that freedom that only Christ can bring. Run from the old self those selfish desires that live for today and run towards the godly desires that will lead to righteousness and holiness. Will you bow your heads with me? said it earlier, I'll say it again. Thank you, Paul, for being willing to have the tough conversations. To confront us about the things that come out of our mouth. To confront us about the things that reside in our hearts. We can even feel like we're getting away with it because nobody else knows. What's it hurt? It's just me. Thank you, God, that you gave us Jesus Christ so that we don't have to do it alone. That as we run from these things we've ran from the last four weeks, God, we have a place to run to. We're not just running scared. We're not just running aimlessly. We're running with purpose, with direction toward Jesus Christ, the answer to all of our needs. It's where we find freedom from temptation. It's where we find those godly desires that help us make decisions that are gonna affect our eternity. It's where we find contentment so that we don't have to try to live like everybody else. We can be happy with who you've made us to be. We accept the plan that you've given us for our life. And Lord, it's where we find rest. We find rest in your presence. As we wait upon the Lord, we will renew our strength. I pray that we would find ourselves hungering for those things. And God's presence is so good, church. 
He can do a work in 10 seconds, way more than I can do in a 30 minute message. Just by you allowing him into your heart, inviting him there to say, do a change, do a work in me. Find those things that aren't pleasing to you. Can I encourage you to let him do that work right now? Father, we've had our moment with you. We've let you do a work in our lives. And I pray that from this point forward, God, we, we get up and we walk out of this place ready to run. Not just aimlessly, but Lord, we're running for you. We're running for our life, but that means we're running for you as we run toward you, as we get closer to you, as we draw near to you and you draw near to us. Lord, I pray that you help us in every decision in every conversation, in every relationship, in everything that we do, God, we are there to honor you and glorify you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for your righteousness, for they will be filled. I pray that you help us to leave today filled. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.